Well, youth, I'm super excited about this week because this is our way home. We got one more week, but uh, we this is week three of outside looking in. And you know what? Here's what I need everybody to do. I need everybody to stand up with me. Everybody stand up with me. And, and I need everybody to push up to the front of these chairs as much. Move up a row. Push up as close as you can. Fill up. Move up a row of chairs. Move up a row of chairs. There you go. Come on. Come on. This is easy. This, this is simple instructions, right? All right. All right. All right. All right. And here's what I need you to do. And I need you guys to get ready because it's going to go down. You can sit down. You guys can sit down. Stand up. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. All right, I'm messing with you. <laughs> you guys do good at following directions once you guys comprehend them. All right, <laughs> I'm super excited about today because uh, I, I'm actually, uh, this message right here, I've been sitting on it for a little bit. Uh, I've, you know, in the words of the worship song, I've been waiting on this message because uh, I really am excited because today we're going to talk about. And if you have your notes and your Bibles, you know what, get ready, because uh, today we're going to be talking about from a distance. Everybody say from. Everybody say from a distance. You know, um, growing up, uh, I love football. Who in here loves football? Come on, make some noise. Chiefs, man, what the world are y'all talking about? Goodness, right? Growing up, man, I was an Alabama fanatic. Who in here, come on, where are my Alabama fans at? Okay, I okay. I, I, I know we didn't do too hot against Texas, all right? I get it, but there's no reason for you to be, like, doubting or anything like that. Come on, where are my Alabama fans at? There we go. There we go. See, growing up, man, I was super excited to go to my first ever Alabama game. Who in here has ever been to, like, a collegiate game, like a football game? Or maybe who in here has ever been to an NFL game? I've never been to an NFL game. Okay, what about a high school game? Who in here has ever been to a high school game? Like, I'm talking about a rivalry. I'm talking about when the crowd is, like, shaking the entire stadium. You can put your hands down. It's okay. But, man, there was one moment, man, where I was seven years old. I was seven years old. I was a little short uh, a little short Pastor Brock, a little short Pastor Brock, and uh, it was my first ever game to see Alabama play, and you know, at that time, Alabama was not the best, all that stuff, because we were coached by Mike Shula, then we got the GOAT, uh, Nick Saban came in, like, you know, came in all that stuff, but uh, it was during Mike Shula days, and um, we were playing this game, and we didn't get the best of seats. Who in there has ever sat in the worst seats possible at a game? I'm talking about they get you all the way at the top of the arena and all that kind of stuff, right? And, you know, you're sitting there, you know, your eyes are squinting like this. You know, uh, my grandparents went with us on this trip, and they're like... 60 at this time. Who in here loves it when, like, your grandparents does stuff with you, you know, you know, goes, takes you, go see games, all that kind of stuff? Well, my grandparents were old, were, were 60 and all that kind of stuff, and they were at the top. And uh, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I looked to my left, and my grandfather got a pair of binoculars out. Who in here has ever worn a pair of binoculars? Who in here has ever used a pair of a binoculars, right? See the, goodness, my bad. All right. Messed up right then, right? Uh, see, the cool thing about binoculars, right, is is that is that you can see things far away, but they look like they're right close. Like for example, right now I'm looking at Dominic's face, right? Hey, Dominic, smile. I can see your left tooth. I'm messing with you, right? <laughs> but but like but like you put these binoculars on, and you what you can see a very far distance. You know, I remember you know like going. 
Because growing up, you know, uh, I was a country boy. Who in here would classify themselves as a country boy or country girl, right? Man, I was a country boy, man. I went fishing every single weekend. Of course, after the Bama games also. Uh, uh, I went deer hunting. Who in here been deer hunting before, right? Right. I went deer hunting, you know, sitting in the little thing, you know, making a, <laughs> like, you know, them, them, you know, them deer calling, <laughs> you know, I was doing that junk, right? You know, of course, like wearing overalls and all that kind of stuff, man. I was country, right? And so, like, you know, I would always like using binoculars because I'd be like looking for them. I'd be like, where are they at? Like, I'd be sitting there. And you, right now, you may be thinking, Pastor Rob, what in the world does it have to tie into a message? You're talking about like hunting deer and, you know, like doing all that kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you something really quick. And let me make a, uh, a message and a point out of this is that we have too many Christians. All right, here we go. Put your steel toe boots on, right? Country girls and boys, right? We have too many Christians that like to watch Jesus from a distance. We, we have too many people that say, you know what, I'm comfortable with sitting back and watching what Jesus is doing through binoculars instead of following right with him and moving with him. You know, uh, if we ever want to see change happen, you know, of course, I talked about this last week. If we want to ever see change happen, we have to be the change, but also this. If we want to see change, we got to be a part of the change. You know what, uh, if we want to see a move of God happen, if we want to see uh, uh, the depression rate, the anxiety rate, the suicide rate ever drop, if we ever want to see epidemics start to end, you know what, we got to start being, stop being passive and watching Jesus from a distance and begin to walk with him. And I know this is going to be a challenging message, so just get ready. You know what, I'm going to pray before we dive in. Jesus, we love you, God. Jesus, we thank you so much, Father, for everything that you've done, God, everything that you're doing, God. And God, we ask that, God, that you will touch every single student, God. I pray that, God, that they will understand, God, that, God, as we wait, God, and, God, as we seek after you, God, God, that, that, God, that we will be a part of the movement, Father, God. We're not going to be sitting back, Father. In your mighty name, everybody said amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke 22 with me. Luke 22, that is the New Testament. It's after you, Matthew, Mark. And Luke, it's Luke. We're going to turn to Luke 22. If you have you version, all that stuff, that's super easy. You just hit the little chapter button, right, go all the way. You know, the book and the chapter. I want you guys to go to Luke 22 with me really quick, because today uh, we're going to be talking about my man, Peter. Everybody say Peter. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, everybody say Peter, right? All right see, see, my boy Peter, originally his name was what? Simon. Everybody say Simon, right? But why did Jesus change his name to Peter? Because he was going to be the rock in which he built his, okay, church. Okay, good. All right. Okay, good. We're, we're, we're having a lesson right now. See, Peter used to be Simon, and Simon had his name changed because Jesus said that you, I'm going to build the church on you, right? You know, you're going to be the rock on which I build my church. You know what, students, is that God's going to change some of your names, not actual, right? Some of you guys walk in here like a Dominic and leave a Bartholomew, right? So, uh, you're middle now. I got you, right? <laughs> you know, some of you guys are going to walk in here, Ren, and walk out uh, Ruth or something like that. You know, <laughs> you know we're, we're not legally changing you your name here. But God's going to change your identity. And in Luke 22, we're going to read of an account of Peter, right? The one that Jesus said that he's going to build his church on. The one, the one who, like, whenever anybody asked a question, 
Okay, by the way, this is going to be a side point. Who in here has that person who's a know-it-all, like at, at, at school, or maybe that you know a know-it-all, that, you know, whenever you ask a question, they always have a fact, or, you know, whenever they, whenever like, oh, you know, for example, for my gamers, like, oh, you should have popped a mini instead of a large one, or, you know, you know what, for my band people, right, oh, you should have hit an F sharp there, not a G, right, and all stuff, and then, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, some of my athletes, oh, you should have cut left instead of cut right, you know, you should have gotten around them, right, you know, swing the hips, my offensive lineman, swing the hips, right, you know, man, for my, you know, gymnastics people, you know, do a flip, <laughs> stick the landing, right, or something like that, right, right, know-it-alls, man, Peter was a know-it-all, you know, when Jesus said, who's the son of God, and he said, you, Jesus, right, Peter, right, sorry, I'm passionate this morning, right, Peter, the one who was always the first answer, the one who went with Jesus, right, and saw the transfiguration happen, man, Peter, right, Peter, the one, man, one of the closest disciples other than John the Beloved, right, Peter, right, and here we read in Luke 22, something happens, see, what happened was, I'm going to take these off because I'm going to use these later, see, Peter was a part of the movement, Peter was following Jesus, Peter was a disciple, man, Peter was going with Jesus wherever he went, man, you know, Peter, man, man, Zachary was always right beside Jesus through everything. And in this moment, right before I'm reading this, I, I'm, I'm giving you context. I just don't want to plop you in there and you're like, what the world's happened? Jesus just got betrayed by Judas. And you know what? Jesus has been captured and taken, Dominic, to, to a court where they're fixing to decide his fate. Man, right now, it says, you know, after the Garden of Gethsemane happened, right, and, and you know what, he gets betrayed and all stuff, the disciples scatter, and Jesus is taken to fixing to get beat up, you know, whipped and crucified and all that stuff for our sins, and there's Peter, the, the rock, right, Peter the rock Johnson, right, there's Peter, right, and it says in scripture that, that it says this right here, in Luke 22, Verse 54, scroll down with me or turn to me. This is verse 54 says this. The religious leaders seized Jesus and led him away. But watch this. But Peter, by say Peter, followed from a what? From a what? Pause right there. When I read this, it blew my mind. How many times have we as Christians taken a step back and watched Jesus from a safe distance? You know, how many times have we been a part of the movement? Man, we're the first ones up here lifting up our hands going crazy. But then when our friends start calling us on us, we then go, ah, I'm going to put Jesus at a safe distance. Oh, you know what? Hey, I'm a Christian, but... And then we take a step away and follow him from a safe distance. Oh, you know, uh, on Sundays, man, I'm on fire for God. But then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm just going to follow Jesus through my binoculars, and just watch what he does. See, we have too many Christians who like to watch Jesus from a safe distance, who, who never want to get out of their comfort zone, who never want to be there and, you know what, be loud, right? Man, here's the thing. <clears throat> See, when you learn about following Jesus. You have to deny your cross. You have to seek after him. But this is a couple things I've learned. Number one is that following from a distance is safe. 
following from a distance is say, Pastor Brock, what are you talking about? Well, here's the thing I've learned about this is that is that if you're following from a distance, watch this, if anything goes down, <laughs> if, if something were to happen, you can go, I'm out of here, right? You know, you can dip, right? And you know what? This is what Jesus has not called us to do. Jesus has called us to go after him 100% without hesitation, without second guessing, without, without any concern. Because if our God has never lost a battle, why should we be concerned about what's happening in the world? Right? And you know what? If we follow Jesus from a safe distance, we'll never see an encounter. We'll never see a revival. We'll never see things begin to break off of your schools. We'll never see school shootings stop happening. We'll never see any of this abortion rates drop. We'll never see anything happen if Christians choose to remain to follow from a safe distance. Man, if we would just understand, if we followed him and if we sought after him, man, we would see great things happen. See, Peter learned that, you know what, I can follow from a safe distance. And you know what, watch what happens. So they brought Jesus to the home of the high priest where people were already gathered out in the courtyard. Someone had built a fire, so Peter inched closer and sat down among them to stay warm. Watch this. A girl noticed Peter sitting in the firelight, staring at him. She pointed out to him and said, this man is one of Jesus's disciples. And then I like how this translation says it, right? Peter flatly denied it, saying this, what are you talking about, girl? I don't know him. How many times have we been following Jesus or, or you know, what? We, we feel like God's tugging at our heart to follow him and you know what, to maybe, you know, get rid of some of the things that we used to do. But when it comes down to it and when people start saying, hey, you're a Christian, right? We go, ah, no, I don't know who that is. Man, this is another thing that I've learned is that following from a distance, watch this, it costs nothing. When you follow from a distance, when you're when you're watching Jesus through binoculars, when you're saying, hey, uh, man, I see what you're doing, Jesus. I, I'm going to follow from a distance. It costs you nothing. There's no sacrifice. You know what? Uh, for those to say, you know what? I'll follow Jesus. You know what? There's no, there's no getting out of your comfort zone. There's no, like, like, you know, waking up in the morning and, like, reading your Bible. By the way, man, for the people who've been doing your devotionals, man, Addie, Ren, you know what? Uh, Emma, um, uh, Braden, right? You know, uh, Drubert, right? Man, you guys have been knocking it out with your devotions. You know, if I'm missing somebody, I'm sorry. But man, man, I, we're seeing God do something big. And you know what? There's something about a, a student who says, I'm going to read a devotional. And you know, I'm going to take a chance. You know, I'm going to take a step for it. Because here's the thing that I've learned is that following Jesus costs you something. And everybody wants to be a follower of Jesus until it costs us a friend. Until it costs us a follow. Until it costs us having to get rid of something. You know what? Following him from a distance always costs us nothing. And so Peter denies him. Denies the little girl. He says, I don't know you, right? And, and then it says this. Um, someone else spotted Peter. And said, I recognize you. You're one of his disciples. I know it. Peter again said, I'm not one of his disciples. About an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted he was a disciple of Jesus, saying, look at him. He's from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. But Peter was adamant. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. 
While the words were still coming out of the mouth, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord, uh, the Lord who was being led by, through the courtyard by his captors turned around and gazed at Peter. Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him, right? And Peter's like, nah, man, nah, man, I, mean, I got your back. Man, Jesus knows whenever you're going to deny him. I, I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus knows whenever time you're going to deny him, right? Jesus knows every single time you're going to sin. Jesus knows every single time that you know what you're going to, you know what you're going to say things that you shouldn't say. Peter knows every single time that you're going to pick up an addiction. Peter knows every single time, sorry, not Peter. Jesus knows every single time, right? Jesus knows every single time that you're going to make a mistake. But watch this. Jesus knew every single one of those things and he still chose to die for you. I don't think we're excited enough about that. I don't think we grasp how big that is. Jesus knows when you go home later, you know what? He knows what you're going to do. He knows what you're going to say. He knows everything that you're going to do. And you know what? He saw every single sin, every single time that you're going to betray him, every single time that you know what? You're going to deny him, every single time that you're not going to be like a, like a big example. You know what he says? He says, I still love you so much. I am going to die for you. I guess I'm just passionate this morning because Jesus even knowing who I was going to be, even knowing what I was going to do when I was a student your age, even knowing what you're going to go through, he still chooses, he still chose back then to die for your sins. And he chose to die for your sins that you're committing now, and he chose to die for every single sin that you're going to commit because he loves you. See, this is one thing that I, I know, and, and, and one thing that I love is this quote right here. And you know what, this quote says this. Lukewarm people call radical what Jesus expected out of his followers. I want you to think about that. Man, what we see is like radical. What we see is going up to somebody and, you know what, saying, hey, man, do you know Jesus? Man, you know what, the things about us going up and praying for people, man, when people are feeling broken. Who in here has a friend that you know is depressed right now? Who in here knows a friend right now, you know what, that struggles with anxiety? Come on, who in here knows somebody, a friend that, you know what, does not have the best home life? You know, may, you know what, maybe there's like fighting on home. Who in here knows somebody that, you know what, that may be getting abused right now? Come on, we are the solution. We are supposed to be a part of the movement. And you know what, that's not radical to go up and talk to them and pray with them. It's not radical to go do something like that. It's what expected. You know what, Jesus expected his disciples to go after people. You know what, and here's the thing, we have like, Come to the grips that, you know, it is radical just to say, hey, Jesus loves you when, you know what radical faith is? is saying, I'm going to win my entire school for Jesus. Man, I hope this is stirring you up this morning. I hope it is. Because God began to ask, you know, as I was prepping, God began to put this. Is This is how many times have we shied away from Jesus when we should have been proclaiming his name? Man, how many times have we, you know what, st- you know, took a step back and saying, gee, you know, hey, uh, man, Sunday, man, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but you know what, you know, hey, at school, man, I, you know, I, I just got to follow Jesus from a distance. Man, when we should have been saying, hey, I got this man that I know, this God that I know who changed my life, you know, who, who took everything that I was dealing with. See, youth, there's one thing that we've got to get right before we read this last you know, passage of Scripture, is this is that faith requires action. Your faith requires action. Jesus didn't tell his disciples. The last thing he told the disciples was to go out and do what? Is to go out and do what? Go out and do what? Go out and do what? 
make disciples. He, he didn't say, hey, go to church every single Sunday and that's it. You know what? Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples. See, we see Peter in Luke 22, messed up. He denied Jesus three times. You know, he, he, he was going to be the one, and he is the one, that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you, right? You're going to be the rock on which I build my church, right, Peter? And he denied Jesus. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip your Bibles to Acts really quick. Just, just, just turn over to Acts really quick. Acts 2. Turn over to Acts 2. Because we're fixing to read one of the greatest, biggest moments that has ever happened other than Jesus's, you know, like, like resurrection, all that stuff. It's one of the biggest in Acts 2. And we're fixing to read in this scripture that about Peter. We're fixing to read what happens, you know, when you say, I'm not going to, you know, follow Jesus from a distance. Man, you know, because, you know, one thing about this is that, is that your story's not over. Your story's not over. If you made a mistake, youth, here's what I want to encourage you. Your story's not over. It's not over, right? You still have an opportunity to seek after him. And so in Acts 2, verse 1, it says this, On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. Watch this. All of the disciples. Everybody say all. Everybody say all. I want you to pay attention to that moment right there. All. All the disciples. Peter was a what? Peter was a what? Peter was a, he was a disciple. Peter was a what? A disciple. He was. So what is that saying right there? Where was Peter? He was in the upper room. He was gathered. Pastor Rock, what are you getting at? Just because you make a mistake doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't still want you. You know what? The world has trained our minds, and it's sick, and I hate it. The world has trained our minds that, you know, if you mess up, you can never get restored back to what you were. And it makes me sick because I look at King David. Everybody knows David is. David and Goliath, right? You know, that, that, he, he was an adulterer. He killed his best friend. And you know what? The world says, Peter, you're canceled. You're done. God can't use you anymore. I'm so thankful that we have a God that still wants to restore us back to what we're supposed to be. I look at Moses. Everybody knows Moses, right? He killed a man. I don't know what it is about, you know, Bible characters and killing people. <laughs> Moses killed a man, and he runs away. But God didn't give up on him. I don't know what you came in here with, and I feel this heavy... I don't know what you came in here with. You know, I don't know what you're going to go to. You know, I don't know what you may be doing right now. But we have a God that is sitting here who's ready to use you. Not use you, but who's ready to restore you. Who's ready to pick you up. Who's ready to say, you know what, you're going to change the world. Who looks at you and says, you know what, you may be dealing with some of the hardest things. But I'm still going to restore you. So there's Peter with the disciples gathered in one place. You don't have shame if you mess up. That may take a little bit to register. 
Don't have shame when you mess up. Seek after the one who can restore and who can take it away from you. Get back into church, right? Get back into service. Get back into following Jesus. If you make a mistake, you know what? Proverbs 27 says this, though the righteous may fall seven times, they what? Get back up. I don't know about anybody in here, but you may have fallen down. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. You need to get back up. If you fall off your horse, you got to get back up. So it says this. Suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all of it, once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes, it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in language they had never learned. This is when the Holy Spirit falls. This is when speaking in tongues begins to fall. Right, this is when the, when the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus talked about, finally just came on the upper room and phew, things begin to happen. You know what? They start speaking in tongues, right? And we all know what that is. If you don't, I can do a sermon series on it in the future, which I feel like I am soon. So that happens, and then people start hearing their own languages, and they're like, what are these guys doing? Some people hear murmuring, and you know what they're saying? All these dudes are drunk, right? You know, the, you know what? These guys aren't speaking out of their mind. You can read it. Acts 2, read it. And it says in verse 14, before you, okay, spoiler alert. The one who denied Jesus was the one who stood up. I want you to think about this. Peter didn't let his past affect him. Peter stood up, watch this, and with the 11 apostles shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, you need to certainly understand what is happening here. Peter, Peter. The one who denied Jesus in Luke just a few chapters ago, just a few books ago, he denied Jesus, and here's the, he's the one who starts it. Here's the thing. If Peter can fumble, if Peter, the rock, can fumble, if he can, if, if he can mess up, you know what? He, so can you. You're not perfect. You're going to fall. If, you, if, if, if Peter can fall, so can you. But there's one thing I know, students, is this, is that one encounter with the Holy Spirit can change, it, can change everything. One moment can change everything. One moment. And so Peter stands up and he preaches to them. He begins to talk. If you ever want to read what he says, read Acts 2. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest moments ever. So Peter, who denied Jesus, Peter, the one who messed up, not once, not twice, but three times, is the one who stands up and he begins to preach. Let me tell you the reason why I love this part right here. He preaches, he goes on and on and on. But then, let's read in verse 41. It says this right here. Those who believed the word that day that Peter preached numbered how many? How many? How many? And they, they were all baptized that day and added to the church. Peter, the denier, became Peter, the preacher. Peter, the apostle. Peter, the follower. 
Jesus, what he spoke to him back then, came true in that moment. In Acts 41, it came, Acts 2.41, it came true. I don't know what you're dealing with tonight, youth. Today, youth. Sorry, it's dark. I don't know what you're dealing with. You know what? You may be going through a hard situation. You may, you know what? You may have been following Jesus from a distance. You may have been saying, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus from a distance. But youth, I challenge you right now is that Jesus is calling you to follow him and to be a part. What I said earlier, if you want to be, if you want to be a movement, you got to be a part of the movement. If you want to see God move, you got to be the movement. And you know what? I feel like in this place, with every bow and every eye closed, come on up to the front. 